Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. And on today's episode of the Writerflex podcast, we have guest Aida Fazalova. She's the founder and CEO of Zor, that's X-O-R dot A-I, Modern Recruiting Communication with Chatbots, AI, and Text Message Automation for Faster Hiring. That sounds good. Aida Fazalova on the Rider Flex podcast. How are you doing? Good, good, Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Hi. I'm excited about this one too. You know, I, I have a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, but um, not very many that are kind of in the same space that we're in here at Rider Flex, you know, as a that touches recruiting. So, yeah, looking forward to the conversation. But before we get into business, tell us about yourself personally. Give the viewers a little uh, background. Yeah, absolutely. So, my background, where do I start? So, um, originally I was born in the Asian part of Russia. Uh, my educational background was software engineer and mathematician, which is really interesting. I'd done a diploma on my neural networks. What happens is uh, right after the university, I dived into the talent acquisition as a practitioner. And nearly a decade, I've been working as a practitioner in talent acquisition, primarily technical recruiting. After this, I started my first business, which was offline businesses of co-working spaces. I also co-founded one of the largest online communities for data scientists and machine learning engineers called Open Data Science, which is, which is like, you know, right now over 40,000 40, people in Slack, which is great. Wow. And I actually, you know, what happens is that I started Zor in late 2016, and the company itself was actually born out of my personal pain. Because I used to work as a talent acquisition practitioner for a really, really long time. And I noticed just how much of my working hours, like literally three quarters of my working day, I would spend on routine and repetitive tasks. This is why uh, alongside with the like media hype about the chatbots and AI and automation in 2016, I really got it together. And I, you know, I was like, okay, I got this. I do know what, 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 I'm, what, I'm, what I'm going to do as a next company. That's um, how it goes. <laughs> sounds to me like it sounds to me like you were a super smart tech scientist type person that got into recruiting and then started her own company. <laughs> I love recruiting. Recruiting taught me everything that I know in sales. In, you know how do I find the people? How do I build the connections? Network. I mean everything comes uh, thanks to recruiting. Really. So. So how did you get started? I mean, did you raise cash? Did you bootstrap it yourself? Can you talk to us about some of that, some of those pieces? Yeah, absolutely. So we started from European markets, primarily Eastern European first, and then we started to work in Western European as well as the US. Uh, for the first, so uh, in 2016, me and my co-founder joined our efforts and started to work in a company full-time. Okay. My technical co-working is a uh, co-work, my technical co-founder is a real-life rocket scientist turned to be AI developer. Really smart guy. So what we've done is that we've been bootstrapping for nine months, trying to different hypotheses, you know, pivoting the company a little bit, pivoting the product. Once we found the right product market fit, we didn't raise any cash until two years after 
So for the first two years, the company has been growing organically. So that means that we've been acquiring the customers and this is how we were raising uh, and growing the team, right? How are so, you living? How are you living, eating and paying the bills? How, yeah. what, were you living off your previous earnings? How were you doing yeah. that? Right. That's right. Both me and my co-founder used to own the companies before. So what we've done is we exited from our previous companies. We have had some cash. We've been eating a lot of ramen and drinking a lot of coffee. <laughs> but this is what it takes to do so. So yeah, our experience is not going to be relevant for everybody, uh, specifically here in the States, because you can really be very lean when you're uh, in the you know Eastern European, for example, countries. So yeah. So two, so, so two, two years of bootstrapping, I think is what you said. And then did, did you raise some cash after that? Mm -hmm. You did. Okay. Got gotcha. you. We raised $8.5 million from the led by San Francisco based venture fund called signal fire. What's and we've done this last year. I so saw that. I think I saw that notification on LinkedIn. Matter of fact, is that the first time did you raise cash, cash for your other company that you founded? Or was that the first big cash you had to raise in your career? That was the first one. Uh, I mean, what was that? What, yeah, what was that like asking for $8 million? <laughs> great. I mean, you know, look, Steve, to be honest with you, fundraising is one of the easiest things you can do as a founder of the company. Literally. Really? really? The, the hardest thing is that you really need to find the product market fit. You really need to hire the most talented people to run all divisions of the business. And you really need to build up the sales machine. Those are like to build a successful business is hard. I mean, this is the hard part. Really and then hard. after this, if you need some cash in terms of like, you know, expansion or you need to scale some, some process, put some more money in the marketing and sales just to generate more, more money and more valuation. This is how you do the fundraising. Generally, my thinking behind this is that if you're doing fundraise, you at least have to have something, you know. Um, a list of the clients that said that they, they were interested in prototype of the technology, some traction, because, you know, we've been acquiring the customers all the way uh, for, during the first two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being in, you know, keeping the team in Eastern Europe actually led us to be very cost efficient and very lean. Which so, is you were, so you were cash flow positive and you had revenue coming in when you raised the money. That's right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Although a lot of my friends that are based out of San Francisco, they are raising the funds before they generate any money. I know, right? We have the prototype and once they have the traction of the user growth as well as the retention. So this really depends on the product, like whether it's B2B or B2C and um, the team as well as your plan. And Very good. Well, congratulations. I mean, you haven't been in business that long. So three years, roughly? Oh, a little bit more than that, but yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Can you tell us how big it is now? Like, can you share revenue or client size or any details? I don't, I, how, go ahead. I, I really cannot share any revenue. It's off record. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes, no, yeah. No, like no, pro no problem. How many customers and then how, how big is the headcount of the company? I can do that. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So we're currently serving nearly 200 companies in 15 countries and we are about 85 to 90 employees at the moment. Wow. How about that? And three, wow. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Okay. So that many employees, a little over three years, you raised $8 million, you bootstrapped it yourself. Man, good for you. Congrats. So thank you. tell us about the business now. Go ahead. You know, for people that have never heard of Zor, 
just yeah. give us, give us, give us the, I know, by the way, you guys got some great YouTube videos that can tell the listeners all about it and they can go to XOR.AI, XOR.AI and, and there's some YouTube stuff, but in your own words, give us the, give us the speech. Absolutely. So we are modern communication platform that lets the recruiting teams as well as HR teams to hire people and retain them much more effectively. And although everybody in HR technology does this, we do this a little bit differently. So on one hand, we give them the opportunity to text their candidates as well as exchange in the messenger, messages in the messenger apps like WhatsApp, you know, Facebook Messenger, Telegram, WeChat, and so on and so forth. But why it's important? Because it really drives the engagement as well as the conversion rate and speed of the responses. So on average, 46% of the applicants respond within 40. Uh, 46% of them will respond within 15 minutes if you text them, compared to 3% over the, over the period of one to two days over the email if we're talking about the passive candidates engagement. Wow. So on the other hand, we're utilizing the artificial intelligence and smart chatbots that let the recruiter and the recruiting teams to automate the most routine and repetitive processes in, in recruiting. So I'm talking about the screening of the inbound applicants that apply from job site, being there 24 seven, 400% of all the applicants, giving them the immediate feedback. If they're a good fit for a role after the screening part, then scheduling them for meetings, answering the frequently asked questions, but also re-engagement and reactivation of the passive candidate talent pool, as well as employer referrals. And we also do a bunch of stuff in the internal HR processes. So everything starting with the chatbot, AI powered, <clears throat> remote onboarding and orientation process, to pulse surveys, to internal mobility, to exit interviews. And also what's very important right at this moment is staying engaged with your with the people that you had to lay off, unfortunately. Yeah. So that once the crisis, you know, um, passes and then we, the economy starts to kick back in so that the, the, the companies could actually rehire those people quickly. So it doesn't, does it replace your applicant tracking system or you, 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 uh, you add this on? Go ahead. Really good question. So we don't replace the existing technical stack for the companies, although companies can use Zor as a lightweight ATS in itself. So if they okay. don't have an ATS in place, absolutely okay. But we actually sit, sit on top of the existing technical stack of the company, which is usually a ATS as well as the CRM and the calendar system. So okay. we sit on top of this as an AI powered communication layer. So if, I, so if RiderFlex, we use Jazz for our applicant tracking system and we use HubSpot for sales. Great. Do you set on, can you, can you take care? Absolutely. We have pre-built integration with nearly 30 applicant tracking systems at the moment. Jazzy Char would be one of them. <laughs> so yeah. So okay. All right. Very good. Okay. And so it's all designed. I think what I hear you saying is, hey, I'm going to save you minutes and payroll and, and heartache from doing all these repetitive tasks, specifically with early communication with with a lot of the early communication with with candidates is that accurate uh that's right but also we do automate uh, a number of processes throughout the hiring process once okay. they're from stage to stage whether it's update whatever their status changes or answering different candidates questions scheduling them for the next steps of the interview process yeah yeah all that yeah like you know panel interviews sequential interviews NAS interviews updating everybody's calendars making sure the candidates actually show up by sending them the reminders. So this is the whole lot, you know, from pretty much end to end. 
for the engagement up till the job offer. Now, what what about this? You know, at RiderFlex, our big our big uh, you know value prop is uh, matching candidate personalities to company cultures and the human touch. And I even do I even do video interviews with candidates during the final stages before we present somebody to a client. You know, one of the recruiters will work on a on a project. They'll select a small group. I will then video conference and and help the recruiter pick the final two or three people yeah. to put in front of a client. You're not, your, your product doesn't replace that piece, right? It's just, it just helps the, is that, you want to speak to that? Go ahead. Absolutely. Yes. So Zor is not a replacement for the recruiters at all. So what we do is we automate, we help them to bring this high quality human touch that you were talking about back to the recruiting, because if the recruiters are just overwhelmed with stacks and stacks right, of red right, right going back and forth over the email trying to schedule them for meetings or phone screening the candidates asking the same questions and answering the same questions they cannot really focus on what's most important building out the relationship closing the deal uh selling the job you know this is something that recruiters should be doing mm. as well as high level oversee as well as tell us hey here are the criteria i'm looking for in the in the candidates um this is what i need asked and here are the criteria that i'm we need to define whether or not this candidate is a good fit. We don't necessarily assess them in terms of like cultural fit for the company. We do actually have the video interviewing functionality embedded in Zor, as well as oh. integration with like Zoom and Webex. You, you mean where I, can, where, where I can do it with the candidate? That... So what you can do with the candidate, you can either set up a schedule of conference over the Zor, right? So that it updates everybody's like calendars, attaches your link, for the Zoom, but also what you can do is you can use asynchronous video interviews. When the candidates are recording this video or like self-introduction in terms of the video or video response to some of the questions you have, uh -huh. right in the, in the chatbot, I mean, right in the chatbot interface, either from a mobile device or, or from the desktop, but they can do this 3 p.m. in the afternoon on Sunday or after hours during the lunch break, and then the recruiters actually receive all of those video responses of the candidate and can watch them. You know, so it's mm -hmm. asynchronous interview when mm -hmm. we're not mm -hmm. getting together on the call. But, okay. Yeah. So you're not so you're not eliminating all, all of our jobs with this with this no. fancy technology. <laughs> you're making you're making life easier for us. Okay. As you as you described it, I thought to myself, hmm, well, if we used this product at Riderflex, I would have more time for mm -hmm. Them. Video doing the video interviews and the relationships, just like you you talked about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm, who's your target customer? Is it a small so so RiderFlex? We're, we're we're like a at the recording of, of this podcast. This is April 29th, twenty twenty. We're about a million dollar firm right now. What's your what's your target size? I mean, are are you selling to mm -hmm. you know big time firms? Are you selling to mom and pop recruiting firms? Who are you selling to? We actually around like 30% of our customers up to date are staffing agencies. So we do love and know how to work with even smaller staffing agencies. Absolutely. No problem. But uh, the rest of them are direct employers and the company is as, as small as maybe 250 employees. Okay. So, um, you know, thousands and thousands. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Who can you, who's like one of your biggest clients? Can you yeah. name a yeah, Mars Exxon Mobil. So what you did you are you the one are you the one that got that contract signed with Exxon Mobil? Did you get that? Did you do that? <laughs> Which one? Both, both. You probably did both, huh? Mm -hmm. 
Very good. Congratulations. Wow. I mean, that's uh, that was probably a home run for you. Okay. Very good. All right. So 70% of your clients are companies, 30% are staffing agencies. Yeah, that's right. And RPOs. And RPOs. Okay. Uh, can small firms like mine afford the product? Can you talk about pricing or is it pricing on the website? How does that work? Absolutely. So the pricing is very, very reasonable, very, very affordable. It actually is uh, tiered and it's based on the recruiting seats, right? So it can be as low as 3,600 per year for the team of up to three recruiters. Okay. It's something that you can start with and expand, but okay. it can be as, you know, and uh, it goes up and up and uh, for the enterprise customers, it's of course much higher price. I see. Yeah, okay. It's very affordable. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very good. And, and if somebody wants to sign up, do they just go to the website? Yes, that's right. From the and they need to just request the demos, pick themselves the date as well as the time slot that works best. And our team will talk to them. Okay, very good. When you started, no, was there any competition? Nobody else was, was doing something like this? Or talk to me about competition in general. So we are on the emerging space right now. Although it's very, very blue sea right now. So, you know, it's, it's not the competitive market. The companies do not have the line in their budget saying, this is how much we're spending on AI and chatbots and recruiting this year. It's, it's very new. So there's a, a lot of market education involved. Mm -hmm. So there are uh, companies on the market that we consider competition. Those are the companies like Tech Recruit uh, that was acquired by iSIMS at the beginning of 2018. It's the yeah. company Alio, Maya, Paradox. Uh, those would be the, the largest ones. Why are you, why are you better? <laughs> uh, like some really cool stuff. We're not talking about the pricing, although our pricing is much more, re you know, very reasonable compared to some of the competitors. So uh, our functionalities, the ability to build out the chatbots on the fly, easily to easily change them if needed, uh, the ability to support 103 languages and be used globally with the companies, which is great. So features like video interviews, recruiting, uh, text like inbox, for example, as Gmail for texting. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is your is your is is one of your challenges now that you're off and running and you've you've done a great job so far? Is is a big challenge for you now to stay ahead of the competition and constantly introduce new stuff? Is that? Ooh, yeah. You know, it's actually very interesting. As I'm saying, is that we're on the very new and emerging market space, so the penetration of the entire. Mm -hmm. Mm. market with the technology maybe we're very well under 10 percent i see so I see. the main competition that we're dealing with is still like you know still probably not the technology yet it's more so the people still doing doing those things manually right. you know because they think because but let me guess every time you try to sell a new client they're like oh we don't want robots making decisions on hiring people right or something like that yeah that's right but then <laughs> when they see how much time it saves them as much mm. as well as their candidate happiness rating goes like exponentially up. Of course, everything uh, changes as well. As <laughs> right. You, you, you tell them, Hey, I can make your candidates happier. I can make your employees happier. And Oh, by the way, I can save you money and labor minutes. I mean, that's, that's right. Pretty, that's a pretty, that's a pretty easy sell. Did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur or early in like when you were in school, where, where did that entrepreneurial bug come from? It's actually a very good question because I, I, I mean, I've read the books of, of business when I was in school, but I, not necessarily. I didn't really think that I'm going to be an entrepreneur. You didn't? No. 
No, but you know, I first started my first company when I was uh, doing the recruiting still. I was 23. There was a kind of chain of co-working spaces, right? Which started as a small bar first, then it turned into a really big club and after this like chain of co-working. So it, it just, I just wanted really to do something on my own, not to work for a company necessarily, although I loved recruiting, but I did, was really seeking for like a purpose, you know, building out the community, doing something, something more than just the recruiting. Uh-huh. Anyway, your parents, what, what'd your, what'd your parents do? My parents, they're actually um, both doctors. My whole family, my parents, as well as my younger sisters are all doctors. <laughs> wow. And now when you told your parents, you're like, Hey, I'm going to start a company. Did they try to get you to go to med school? Did they want you to go to med school or no? They did. Yeah. But I'm, uh, no, I was too, too good in math, math and physics. <laughs> Were they early investors in your first company? No, 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 no. Yep. But the important thing to know here is very, uh, interesting thing about Eastern Europe and then CIS region is that doctors over there, here, they're the wealthiest people you can think of, right? Right, right. right. Easily like 450K per year. But back then, since they're all depending on governments, they're like the poorest people you can think of. Really? I didn't know. Wow. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Any brothers or sisters? I do. Yes, I do have a younger sister. She's actually a neurosurgeon. I mean, she's finishing med school right now. Wow. Wow. So... One of the sisters is a is a brain surgeon, and the other one owns her own company and founded a company. That your parents got to be pretty damn proud, right? I mean, wow, that's pretty good. They tried to uh, convince me not to do this, although when I started, I didn't tell them for the first year, probably. <laughs> yeah, but then I was like surprised. Possible. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Wow. Okay. Any advice to uh, for aspiring entrepreneurs that? Uh, want to start their own business, but they're a little bit scared and nervous, anything you'd want to tell them? Yeah, absolutely. So there are actually a lot of things. Yeah. So, well, uh, before you start, you really, I, I really encourage y'all to, if you, it's a B2B startup, right? You really need to work in this particular industry or in the company that is doing something similar for quite some time in some specific divisions and learn the processes throughout so that you actually have an idea what's wrong with them and how you can actually improve this, right? The second one would be important one is that you really need a technical co-founder. If it's in tech or, you know, even if it's not in tech, you really need a, a partner in crime, like um, a co-founder who is going to be there because it's much easier to build the business when it's not only you, you know, <laughs> not, not only one of you. Yeah. So, and their, their skill sets as well as the experience, they need to actually complement your skill sets. Very good then there need to be like, you know, hey, I'm doing the business, I'm doing the sales, you really need to, to take care of the product and the technology, right, to develop, for example. So there, there need to be also, um, so the product, market fit, you really need to dedication as well as um, some right. cash in the bank just to support yourself when you, while you're going through the early stages. You need a network uh, when you, you know, if you need to raise the money, for example, as a pre-seed, the early stage of the company, uh, talk to the entrepreneurs that have been raising the money in the past so that they can help you out too with the pitch deck as well as with the pitch itself. <laughs> Definitely, you know, make connections with the entrepreneurs, hustle so that they can make introductions to their investors so that, you know, it will be credit, more credible and then better for you and easier for you to raise the money. 
Did you have uh, a certain amount of cash saved up before you started to where you, you said to yourself, I, I have to get this going in six months or 12 months? Did you have a timeline where you knew that if you, did, if you didn't get it going to a certain point, you were going to have to go back to work? Um, yeah, but you know, since I'm a recruiter, it's easier because I can just do freelance. On a, I see, on a, I on see. Very <laughs> handy because I just had a bunch of the companies that wanted to work with me and I was just closing vacancies while I was doing the business on a part-time. But actually it's very important why I told you about the co-founder. Because for the first, um, I started the company like myself, but not fully, not fully committed because I did, just didn't have the technical co-founder at the time. Mm -hmm. so it took me six months to actually pick the right person because I was trying to do this like with other folks, which really couldn't, um, couldn't pull, pull it off, right? Yeah. And then once I met the right co-founder, this is when we started. By the time we got started, I did have some savings uh, in the bank, not a ton, but again, we were very, very lean. We were working from a uh, house and then just, you know, doing our stuff selling the product during the day and then just you know meeting uh, numerous customers because we were networking we were just you know we were introduced to a bunch of the companies through the network that we generated and um during the night we were just building a product you know engineering and so on and so forth so wow that's that's pretty cool now while you're building this you're also starting to hire people and you're uh, learn you're learning how to be a ceo and yeah. all along the way right <laughs> it's not like you, you didn't go to ceo training school right it just you just had to kind of learn that along the way and now you had what'd you say you had 80 80 employees or something like that yeah. right mm -hmm. um what advice would you give to first-time ceos uh, yeah. maybe maybe even first-time female ceos how about that yeah Absolutely. But it's, it's, it's not going to be that different for, for females or males. It's an important thing to have the right people um, on the right places in the company, right? Mm -hmm. But also important thing to know is that in a startup, if you hire a person for, to be your VP of sales and you're at zero revenue, so the person who will take you from zero to $1 million will not be the person, probably will not be the person who will take you from $1 million to $10 million or from 10 to 15 million to 100 million. So you really need to understand that there will be the changes and you really need to be upfront with the people that you hire. Of course, at the very early stages, the founders need to be, need to be doing the sales. Absolutely, it's, it's like it, without doing the sales yourself, you, you will never figure it out, right? So you really need to have an experience and then you really need to have very proven people in place, especially on the early stages that have had those experience preferably in the past. So you hired some people that, that had startup experience? Um, not necessarily startup. No, 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 no. That have been either selling B2B product in HR. Oh, I see. I see. Or I have see. been doing, building like, you know, high load uh, products as a software engineer in the past. So this is important because uh, there are some rules where you can just, you just cannot really teach the people how to do without them spending like first five to seven to ten years of their life uh, of their working out life uh, doing this and be yep. really great, great professionals but then on the earliest stages like they're very you are wearing a lot of hats right so it's very important to to hire like the people who are generalists who are, like very loyal to you who really dedicated to the vision but then as you grow and you have uh, start to have like separate marketing departments separate sales uh, support and then um, account management as well as the engineering 
there really need to be very people focused and professional in the things that they do. Do you like, what parts of this, running this company do you like the most? Do you like closing the deals and selling to ExxonMobil or do you like the, you know, managing the employees or do you like the tech? Like if you had to rank it, what's your favorite? What's, what's Aida's favorite? That's actually a really good question. I, my favorite probably is going to be meeting the customers and the partners. Yeah. Gotcha. Management yep. of the employees is, is great. I mean, we're in very close sync with them all the time. It's, it's a lot of fun because it's my family. It's my, you know, people that I'm spending a lot of the time together, at least right. virtually. Right. But, but those would be like my favorite ones, I think. Because I, I, yeah, I guessed that. I was guessing that. <laughs> are you guys in San Francisco? Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you... We're headquartered here in San Francisco. Sorry to interrupt you, though. No, that's okay. But we have the back office back in Moldova, which is a tiny little charming country in the, between Romania and Ukraine. That They have great people, great wine, and we keep the very large back office back in Moldova. I see. But you're in San Francisco because the, the $8 million you raised, that, that firm is out there? Yes, that's right. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, okay. And, and any... any oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Plus, this is where the, our uh, core executive team, as well as the sales team, is based out of. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Any advice for picking the right uh, VC to uh, invest in your company? Any advice you would give to people that are just getting ready to raise some cash? Yeah, absolutely. So, mm -hmm. so if there are multiple companies you're choosing between, fine. You know, if you, there are like you know five VCs that are willing to give you the money and write the check and you're picking with them, although it might not be the case. So the fundraising is something that you really need to get done as quickly as you can. So dedicate like, let's say a month or two months of your life, meet as many of the people in the first weeks. And it's, it's a funnel, right? So it's top of the funnel first, the initial meeting. The initial though, it's going to be the pitch that you're sending to them over the email. Uh, so there will be some filtering. You're meeting them for the first time, meeting for the second time, third time, and then you know how many steps is, are needed. I think that find the people that have had an experience in your space before, uh, as well as, you know, find the people that you really think you can work with, you know, whether or not they're founder friendly, if you have an, if you have, um, if you have a option, talk to the founders that you, that have been working with them for a while. How long did you vet them? Did you did you say, hey, we have to go to dinner like several times before I... <laughs> no, we actually um, kind of hit it off right away. That did you? Because the company was really, really experienced in our space. Ah. So it was great. Um, Very good. Have, like, and then they, they made a proposal like the, the, the first, and we really, really liked them. And there were some companies that really wanted to move forward, but we were like, you know, we really want to get it done, but, you know, get it done and get it work over with and then continue the execution. This is why we didn't really like choose from, you know. And now, course, now was that, was that a seed round and now you're going to close the series A or what's next for you? That was a seed round. That's right. Series yeah. A is uh, not quite, maybe not this particular year, but it's uh, coming in the future. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay, great. I want to ask you a couple more questions here. Um, you know, kind of uh, towards the back end. First of all, did you tell the listeners everything about Zora that you wanted to share? Was there anything that we left out? Because I want to ask you a couple of wrap up questions. Anything yeah. else? 
I think you get you did a pretty good overview there. Yeah, I mean the the basics. Yeah. If they can just learn at azor.ai, it would be great. Yeah. Yep, and it's xor.ai. Um, looking back now on your career, by the way, you you've already had a very successful career, uh, and starting a company. But if you could, if you if you could look back and tell um you know yourself at the age of 21 if you could give that that person some advice coming out of school what would you tell her such a great question wow <laughs> probably oh that's a re i mean i would really definitely take a public speech classes that would be really, for sure. really? Yeah. okay okay i mean how many languages do you speak by the way right now i speak two and a half two and a <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is that? Russian, English, and what? A Romanian. A little bit of French, a little bit of German, but you know, Romanian a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> is now, now you don't strike me as somebody that's nervous to get up in front of people and talk, but are you just Not saying... Anymore. Uh, Not, huh? anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, but definitely was a, a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you look very natural now talking. I don't, I don't see you as being nervous now. Uh, how, how about this? What's Aida's core purpose in life? You know, when you really think deeply, even beyond your company, beyond just work, just in general, have you, you ever wake up and ask yourself why you're on this planet? Like what's your core purpose in life overall? Mm -hmm. That's a really, really good, great question. So, um, that's such a great question. My God. <laughs> I can think it's, it's of a, prof professionally right now. What is it that we want to do? But I don't really want a, to be like with the generic making the world. Right, better. right. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. Yeah, I totally respect that. I'm so glad you said that. So many people that don't have an answer to that question, they always say, oh, I want to make the world a better place or something generic. It's like, you know, no, it's not, that's not deep enough. I'm so glad you answered that way. <laughs> um, I really, uh, you know, I think that people really they should think, First of all, about being happy, about being fulfilled in their career and their personal life. This is important, right? And then everything actually comes along along the right, you know, because it really drives you and your passion. You're, you know, really passionate about the product, about the, the meetings that you're taking, about the people you're working with. It's great. I mean, that's really drives me. You strike me as the type of person that is really enjoying the journey. And you're, you don't, like, I don't, vision you as somebody said oh i'm going to start a company because i want to make millions of dollars i think you you wanted to start a company because you knew this was needed and you, you're having a lot of fun doing it and if you make money along the way that's great too that's how that's how you yes that was the case i mean obviously every entrepreneur is starting the company for profit for making money yeah. but then you really got to see the you know you really want need to see the vision you really want to see like in your head how it's going to grow in the next years Mm -hmm. how it will change the way people do, do things right now for example uh you know how the application process looks like in like 90 percent of the enterprise companies right now right whenever the applicant is ready to apply for a job first thing they need to do is log in and create their accounts fill out the 40 field long like mobile and friendly web application form which a lot of people drop off on it's pretty crazy once they submit this spending like 40 minutes to an hour they 75% of them will never hear back from the employer at all, which is crazy. I mean, right. if you think about it, you know, it, it came from the paper application, obviously, that we've been doing like 25 years ago, but still, 
And then uh, seeing how the candidate experience changes like, you know, completely when they're just, whenever they're hitting the apply button, the chatbot pops up and starts to engage them into a conversation, right? Answering any of their questions, screens the candidate for a role to make sure this candidate is actually qualified because candidates in desperation- The Rudderflex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening, and if you enjoy our show, Please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes. It makes the candidate's life better too. And you can tell you're passionate about both. You can tell you have passion around making it a better experience for everyone. Yeah, that's true. That's very important. You know, which, which is great. Very good. Okay.